Hi everyone, I'm Abby Berger. Welcome to Let's Rethink This. I'm so excited for you all to be joining me today, but before we get started, please make sure you are rate reviewing and subscribing for the um, podcast so that we can improve the content that you hear each week and so that you never miss a new episode. Today, I'm talking with Brian Weddington. Brian is a newer member at Independence Center and came into services in 2020. Since joining Independence Center, he has gotten his own apartment. He has completed his high set. He's enrolled now to attend UMSL in the fall. Um, he also passed his peer specialist testing. So he's really accomplished a lot in the course of a year. And we're going to spend a little bit of time hearing Brian's story and learning more about what he's up to now. So Brian, thank you so much for being here with us today. Would you like to share just kind of your story, how you got involved with Independence Center, how you first, you know, heard about us and, and where that led you? Um, I was first introduced to the Independence Center when I was in Stepping to the Light Ministries uh, by a man, Charlie Friesmeyer. Um, he was my ERR, and he kept in contact with me weekly. Uh, we would talk about everything. Um, he helped me to get a little flip phone, so I had a phone during the rehabilitation. Uh, I broke my glasses, and he got my glasses for me. He, um, he would take me around the corner near Crown Candy, and we would sit outside, and it would be a break from being inside the inpatient facility, and we would discuss problems, the past, the future, goals, uh, mishaps, and ways to actually go about to achieving those goals. So stepping into light ministry, that it, is that an inpatient? What is that? Yes, that is a faith-based disciplinary rehabilitation center uh, in North St. Louis. Um, very strict, very strict. For um, substance use? Correct. So what was kind of going on in your life prior to getting connected with that group? Complete destruction. Um, I had lost my 15-year job at Home Depot. I got divorced. I lost two houses. I lost both grandparents. My family's always been very dysfunctional. Uh, the drinking and the drugs. And I had been in a band for 30 years, actually three bands. And it was just the, the entire rock and roll outlook. There was drugs. There was women. There was just we had no knowing or caring of right or wrong. It was just complete destruction. Uh, when I was 30, I had my daughter. Uh, when I had Davian, I thought my life would slow down. Um, I got married, and it didn't slow down. Sometimes it, it got worse. Uh, me and her mother split up when she was six months old, and I had Davian every other weekend, um, but I was always in her life, thankfully. But it didn't stop the drinking. It didn't stop the drugging. And 
I had a very abusive childhood, mentally, physically, and sexually. And that has always been a bearing in the past. Um, and I was bounced around from aunts and uncles, my grandparents. Um, my father left when I was very young. It was just a conglomeration of things that just utterly, there was no life. You know, it was just, I got to the point I just didn't care anymore. And uh, I went to a, a Vidoc uh, on Page and Woodson and used to look across the Vidoc and see my father's house. And he passed away in 95. And I would just sit underneath the Vidoc and drink till, I mean, there was just till I didn't remember. I'd wake up there sometimes. Well, somehow I climbed up on top of the bridge and I can blame it on the alcohol or just my life in general, but I jumped and I landed in the middle of Page Avenue. And uh, the first car that skidded towards me was an officer, thankfully. And he picked me up out of the street. My head was pretty busted up and uh, they took me to DePaul and uh, I stayed in the psych unit there for nine days um, when I was able to move around um, I, I was very volatile um, they put me in a quiet room more than one time and then they found me stepping into the light and then uh, from stepping into the light uh, is when I met Charlie and he's like, uh, I'm from the independent center, which I really didn't understand. And he explained, you know, we're just here to help. We're just here to help. Cause I had nowhere else to turn my family, my friends, everybody completely turned their back on me because it's just, there was nothing left. It was just, no one wanted to be around me and it was by my own accord. And I didn't want to be around myself. So when I, I was getting ready to graduate from stepping into the light and Charlie handed me a card and it had the clubhouse on it. He was like, I think you'll like this place. Um, he goes, try it out. And uh, I remember calling down here and I talked to Naomi on the phone and uh, she was like, well, come on in, you know, we'll give you a tour. I had never had road public transportation my entire life. And I got dropped off down here and I, and I was outside the door and I saw a member that was also in stepping into the light. And I saw how he had changed and how happy he was. And he was like, Oh, you're going to like this place. You're going to like this place. So I came in and I had my tour. Uh, Daryl Howard gave me my tour and me and him are still buddies to the day. And, um, when I came in, I didn't leave. It was like I started coming every day. And I started learning the work order day, but I also started learning what the clubhouse could do for me. Um, I started getting regular counseling. I started getting regular psychiatric care. I started making friends. I started working on goals. And as you stated, some of the goals were the peer specialist. 
uh, I, my high set. And I never, never would have thought that I would be enrolled and start starting at UMSL in two weeks. Never would have thought that. Um, going with a major in criminology, criminal justice with a minor, minor in psych. Um, me getting to Lohmeyer, it took a while, but I had nowhere other place to go. It was, I was living with my cousin who was an active user. Uh, I was still in trouble with the law and Lohmeyer was a godsend. And I think I was perfectly fitted. I love all the people there. Uh, but the, the clubhouse really has become my everything. Uh, the only other place that I have involvement in is One Family Church. And I run sound for them on Sundays. And uh, I try to do as much for the Independence Center, which I can never repay enough. But I try to do as much for the Independence Center when I'm here, inside and out, as they did for me. Your story is just so incredible and so layered with so many different reasons why you could end up in the situation that you were in, right? Like there, you have experienced so much trauma and just dysfunction throughout your life that hearing your story makes it easier to understand how you could have been in a place um, like you were when you ended up in the hospital and ultimately meeting Charlie and, you know, for, for all of those things to happen, it just speaks to how things can kind of spiral out, you know, or spiral out of control and, and lead you into these situations that you never once thought you would Mm -hmm. find yourself in. So I wanted to just quickly note, you know, for our listeners that according to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, Americans aged 12 years or older of of those people, 31.9 million of them are current illegal drug users, users within the last 30 days. Drug abuse and substance use disorders are more likely to affect young males. And accidental drug overdose is a leading cause of death among persons under the age of 45. So this is a really prevalent issue. It's, it's something that, you know, people experience and it's, it's very common to fall into kind of that user mentality. And so I, I'm curious, Brian, from your perspective, a lot of what people say about drug use and substance use issues is when you gain your sobriety and get clean, um, going back into an environment where there are active users and people drinking and, and things like that. It's, it's so challenging. And I know you mentioned you were living with your cousin and oftentimes that's a trigger for people to re-engage their habits. So, how were you able to maintain your sobriety during that time? My anchor is my daughter. Um, being around uh, active users and drinkers, um, I, it's very, the way I did it was, very, I was very short-stayed. I didn't want to be around it. So if it would happen, I would at least go in the basement, go into my area go for a walk, just to completely be away from it, separate myself from it. Um, I started realizing 
when I finally got to the recovery part and learned that, okay, this is the problem. So you have to help fix the problem. So separation was first. Uh, I never indulged. I cannot believe that I have been completely sober. The 18th of August will be 16 months. And wow. Except, Congratulations. Except That's... for caffeine and cigar and one, one and a half cigars a day. That That's amazing. It. It's incredible. And I have been to a bar a few times with my daughter. I went for Father's Day uh, and her and my birthday. Uh, I went to a, they first started having live concerts again and me and her uh, and some of her friends went to Pops and I saw a concert and they were doing their thing. And I was just sitting at a table by myself. My daughter would come back and forth. It didn't bother me. I got to hear live music, which was fun. You know, it was incredible. I was with my daughter. So I think the first time I went to sobriety was in 2003. I was sober for two years and I lost a job at that time. And I just spiraled right, right back into my old ways. This time I was not forced into, into sobriety. It was not only necessary, it was wanted. And that made all the difference. The fact that I wanted to be a better person. I, I lost 14 friends in two years. And it was just, I saw with the opioid epidemic, with I lost my drummer from heroin. I lost my bass player from crack. Um, it's just, it was all around me and I kept seeing it and I kept seeing it. And there finally just came to the point at the end of the rope where I tied a knot and just held on. And it was now that I'm hanging here on the end of this rope, where do I go from here? And Charlie helped me to stand up, brush the dirt off my knees and trudge forward and move and do something. And it wasn't just the fact of doing something. It was the fact that it, there was something pushing me. And I, I feel like it was my daughter in the back, like a little angel just pushing me forward. And she stood with me since, since through all this 110%. And finally, I get to hear from her voice. I'm really proud of you, Pops. And she means it. And it's something, it just adds more armor to the, to my recovery. That's amazing. And, and so important that she's with you. And it's so touching to hear that she's been with you through it all kind of supporting you because you do need that support. It's, it's so yeah. challenging. So that's incredible. When you met Charlie, yeah. um, when you first met him, you were at DePaul and were you at DePaul? Is that right? Yes, I was at DePaul. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you were at DePaul, you meet him for the first time. What was your initial reaction to him? Like, were you excited to see him? Were you fearful? Were you like, who are you? Uh, I didn't know. I was just like, well, who is this guy who's coming to help me? And he doesn't even know me. And it was he, he was so caring and I knew within the first five minutes that I had met him, 
that me and him were going to be friends. And even though I don't get to see him as much as, of course, then, when I go to the other building, I get to see him. And it's like, we do everything but hug. That man saved my life. Saved my life. And he's, he's still, when we see each other, it's like we, it was just yesterday that we had saw each other last. Um, he just wants to catch up. I think he, he still keeps notes on me and tabs and he makes sure I'm all right. He knows what I'm doing. And it's, that man is an amazing person. And that position that he holds takes a very special kind of person. And he's it. He's incredible. He does a really great job. That's probably one of the hardest jobs there is, is to do that emergency room um, program where you're going in cold. You're, he has to walk into a situation absolutely cold, not knowing anything about the people that he's meeting and build connection with them and build a relationship. And based on what you said, your relationship is really strong and one of the most important relationships that you have and that's pretty cool yeah i'll keep in touch with him for the rest of our lives probably i'll never forget what he did for me yeah that's awesome i just i think that's that's really cool that you met him that you trusted him enough to help you kind of in a in a really hard time in your life it sounds like I was going to say at that time, there was, there wasn't many people that I did have and surely not people that I trusted. Right. You know, my daughter didn't have the answers for the things that I was going through. You know, all my daughter could do was love and love and support. You know, you're doing it, dad, you're doing it, dad. But Charlie had answers that made a difference. He was like, you can do this. You can do that. This is, he like opened the book of life again. Like, Hey, you got a lot of chances to do a lot of things, no matter what age you are. I'm going to be the world's oldest freshman here in a couple of weeks. And I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Nothing wrong with continuing your education. I think that everybody should be a continual learner, you know, and there's no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to what you can learn. So I, I am proud of you too for returning to school. That is, it is really challenging. I, in fact, I just finished my um, master's program and going to school as an adult part-time while you're, you know, doing other stuff, you're probably going to stay involved with the clubhouse. I was working full-time. It is hard and it takes the people around you supporting you and encouraging you to to do it, but you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Definitely. I can do it. And yeah, it's, you can do it. It's something I always wanted, but never had the ability, know-how, or the oomph to do it. If not, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, I could blame it on laziness for not going to school. And I am an avid learner. I'm such an avid reader. It's like I am. I'm like a sponge. I suck up a lot of information if I can, if it's there. And that hopefully that's the way it's going to work. I hope to excel. Um, that's my goal is not just going to school, but to excel. I bet you will. And, you know, you'll have the clubhouse there to, to root you on and support you and give you, you know, 
advice as you move through that time because people go to school, you know, people, people do these things and take these new risks and grow and learn along the way. So I think that is pretty, pretty incredible. So when you first started working with Charlie, I mean, it sounds like you didn't have a stable house. You didn't have a job. You you didn't have a lot of those basic needs covered. So what was your first kind of big priority? At that time, because I was so fresh, I was still going through withdrawals. Uh, my biggest concern was getting out of there. <laughs> and then it shouldn't have been. Uh, the first thing I, I did, I was so far gone that I didn't care about my health, obviously. Um, but what I should have, the should have, could have, would have. My health should have been first. Uh, a stable place to stay. I, because at that time, um, it was right before COVID. I mean, I know I think, you know what? I think it's right after COVID started. It was like April 18th is my sobriety date. So, yeah, that was like a month into COVID. Uh, none of my friends would let me come over. You know, everybody, that's when everybody, it was the entire paranoia. Uh, yeah, it was nobody. And relatives were scared to have me over because nobody knew where I had been, who I had been around. Uh, so I, I literally, I did not have any place to go. And for me to be in DePaul for nine days, they kept saying, where, where are you going? Where are you going? I was like, I don't have any place to go. So they kept me there as long as they could. And uh, that's when I went, uh, Charlie helped me find Stepping Into the Light. And uh, Stepping Into the Light was no cakewalk. That was the, that was militaristic. It was very, very, very strict. But yet two people overdosed in there. Somehow they had uh, maybe from visitors or uh like a luxury trip to the gas station or something, two people overdosed while I was in there. I never saw a person overdose before until it was right in front of my eyes. And uh, it was scary. Um, and But I graduated from there. And uh, they only had a 14% success rate from graduation because it was so strict. But I used some of that strictness as a penance for me. Um, it felt I was, I started feeling guilty about all the things that I had done to other people. And, uh, that was, it was just something that I used, but anyway, after graduation, that's when Charlie told me to try at a clubhouse. Um, because I did the 90 day inpatient, my cousin gave me a chance. She was like, you can stay here, but if you mess up one time. There is no one time. It was like, when you mess up, you need to go. Well, I didn't. And I was going to the clubhouse five days a week. Uh, masks. Uh, it was still kind of early in the COVID. Uh, attendance wasn't that big. Um, that I, We went through summer uh, with the COVID and then fall and winter. So I've seen all four seasons here. And I, I'm still here probably because of no employment. Um, I'm still come to the clubhouse. I would say 28 hours a week, something like that. That's a lot. Yeah. But I, I've also learned a lot here. 
I help with the attendance. I help with a lot of outreach. I help with uh, other members. Um, I have a very good relationship with almost every staff member here to a point of intimacy. It's like we really discuss if there's something going on, you know, they know me. They know me now, not only by name. I'm not just a number. I'm like, these people are my friends. If I'm out in the world and something really goes wrong, I could text Michael or Sam, you know, whenever. And they would be there for me. You know, Naomi and Josh. And no matter what questions I have, if we don't have an answer, we find an answer together. It's a, it's definitely, you get what you put in. And as I do, I, I really do, because I feel so indebted to the independent center. I try to do a lot. I try to show up, I'm, you know, and I try when I'm here, I, I'm doing stuff for for the independent center itself. And, uh, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm doing enough. And sometimes staff tells me maybe I'm, I'm pushing too hard. Don't, the ball's rolling. Just let it roll. You don't have to push it down the hill to make it go any faster. See how this all rides out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great that you're doing so much. Obviously you don't need to be indebted to the organization. That's why we're here. You know, we're here to support people that need our support and whatever circumstance you're walking into our doors with is where we'll meet you. And so I think that that's so great that you've been able to find your niche, find opportunities to help. I know you've helped me with um, a number of things that I'm just not very good at. And, you know, you're, you have this skill in. So I very much appreciate when our members really contribute and bring their own skill set to the, to the table, because we don't all have the same talents. Um, and every person walking through our doors, member or staff brings in their own um, perspective, their own talents and skills that then can be contributed to the larger community and, and make it all functional and, and work well together. So it, it's all kind of part of this very loose um, formula that we've created with Independence Center, um, being a place for recovery and, and being a place for finding support when you need it and offering support when you have that to give to as loose as the organization is it's a very tight-knit family i mean okay. it, you know it, it's it's tight-knit you know i've made contact with some of the other members that they, i i don't want to keep repeating myself but it feels like that i'll i'll keep in touch with the rest of my life i think there's so much power in community and having a community and um having relationships with other people that you can depend on and count. You can count on them when you have an issue, you can call them up whenever and ask for the help that you need. And there's, there's just so much power in having that. And it sounds like from your perspective, that that is what you appreciate most. Right. That, that, that is one thing that I would like to point out is that, Giving, surrendering, knowing that you have the problem, you know, whatever problem and asking for help. I never asked for help ever. 
You know, it's like if I, either I didn't accomplish it at all or I, or I did it all by myself, no matter I was people need to learn when try to see when something is wrong and ask for help. And I was never good at that. And I think a lot of people are not good at that and don't know where to turn, uh, don't know where to where to start. You know, I, I if it wasn't for Charlie, I wouldn't have known where to start. I probably would have got out of the hospital and went right back to what I was doing. Yeah. Asking for help is a is a important first step and just kind of addressing where you might be at, whether that's with a substance use issue, with it, a mental illness, with a physical illness, with anything, you know, just asking for that support is a, is a good place to start. Yeah. Right. The, the asking for it. Um, the one thing then I am, I hand out cards, <laughs> you know, it's a, I'm, I'm 110% behind the independent center and I'm not saying that I'm nowhere near like a spokesperson, but when I see homeless people on the side of the road or at quick trip, or, you know, I've tried to introduce the clubhouse to a few of my friends that I know that are in need that don't know where to go. Um, I've, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've given central access. I've given them, you know, like I said, a business card. Um, I explain what the independent center has done for me and what it could do for them well some don't believe it no i can't do that or oh i don't have time or it what it all boils down to is them walking through the door for the first time for their tour that's what it boils down to because what once you know a phone conversation from the call log you know only goes so far it's when somebody takes that first step to come through the doors and see what it's all about um, I remember on my tour, I was like, why are, what are all these people come here for? There's lots of reasons that people come here for, you know, some for social um, acquaintances, some for education, some because they need housing, some because they need psychiatric care. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's what coming through the door the first time and trying to, uh, to, get into the niche, find your, find your little spot here. You know, it's, it's not only, it's not just a place to get on the computer and shop on the internet. You can learn a lot of stuff here. You can do a lot of stuff here. Uh, People who aren't very good with computers work on the street level. You'll get better on computers. You know, uh, that's for sure. Uh, You know, a lot of people have a restaurant background. So working upstairs is ideal for them. You know, there, there's something here for everybody. There really is. Uh, working in the store has a lot of retail experience. You know, you learn how to deal with not only customers, you learn how to deal with cash. You know, there's, it's just, there, there's a lot here. I was amazed at how much was when I was taking my tour. I didn't know the building was that big. And I didn't know that all the different levels and all the different areas. You know, and I, I like the fact that at first you don't know who's a staff and who's a member at first. And it, it's you find out what's going on here. And it, it's it's an, an incredible place to 
share, to forward to other people. And I, I'm just really ecstatic to be a part of it. Well, we're so happy that you found us too and that you've embraced it and done the work yourself. You know, I, it, it's exactly what you said. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. And you've put in so much. And it's so great to hear about all the success that you've been having. And I want to kind of go back to when you were talking about getting your own apartment at Lowmeyer. So Lowmeyer is one of our buildings of independence and our owned properties, but they're independent apartments that our members can live in. Um, you pay rent. It, it's your apartment. And I am just wanting to know maybe a little bit more about your experience moving into that. What was that like for you? Um, and, and how's it been living on your own since? Um, okay. Um, like I said, it took a little while to get it. Um, but it was well, well worthwhile. Um, the Lohmeyer building is actually, it feels like a community in itself. Um, there's characters for sure. Uh, the, everybody there, you know, we all congregate. And we, you know, there's friendships built. There is, uh, sometimes it comes, you know, like if somebody doesn't have anything to eat, well, we'll pitch in together and bam, now they do. You know, we all work together as like a unit. Uh, everybody looks out for everybody. Uh, you don't have to. If I accidentally left my tablet out on the picnic table, somebody would be knocking on my door. Hey, man, you forgot this on the table. Uh, everybody knows everybody. I like that. And so does everybody. You know, we uh, we get together. We um I'm going to say the smoking area, but in the smoking area, we talk about life, what they past, present, future. What are you doing? Uh, some things about church, some things about uh, what uh, upcoming procedures or operations that are happening. Um, but we do. We really look out for each other um, in living by myself. I'm not so secluded because I have that social, uh, social encounter. And then I still have my own little space. I can still play guitar. In there. I can still build my figures. I can still, uh, you know, my computer, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be big. It just, I've become a minimalist, which I really, really like. Um, but I have everything that I need. Um, it's it's conveniently located right near Schnooks. Uh, it's conveniently located with the Maplewood uh, Strip, um, which there are restaurants. There's you know there's a little diner. There's a quick trip near. There's a bank near. Everything is right there in that location to where we, we don't have to venture out very far. The farthest we really go is to the clubhouse. And that's an easy route right on the Metrolink or the bus that drops us off right here at the clubhouse. So every, it's, it's, it's a wonderful location. I love the area, the building itself, everything's well-maintained. Uh, you know, there's uh, periodical uh, inspections, uh, 
just to to make sure you know that it you know if something goes wrong there's something there somebody there the next day to fix it you know the maintenance is is upkept they're nice little apartments uh, and the community is great that's so wonderful and it's it's so different than um maybe living in your own apartment in a building that wasn't owned by independent center because sometimes you don't get that community in apartments and sometimes you do, but having everybody kind of having that shared experience of all being a part of independent center definitely makes it easier. I think, um, on the people that live there. Right. Um, like I said, there's, there's, there's a few people there that they're my friends. They're not just like a roommate or, uh, a neighbor in an apartment complex because I've lived in apartments before. And like you said, there sometimes you don't necessarily like your neighbors, you know, uh, but we all have like a common, we have something in common, which is the independent center, which is the concrete to the community itself. And uh, we all have experiences. We've all lived completely different lives, but our common denominator is the independent center. So this last year has been just very abnormal because of the pandemic. You joined Independence Center in the midst of what was a pretty, um, what's the word I want to use? Turbulent. Yeah, turbulent. That's a good word. A pretty turbulent time where we didn't really know what was going to happen. We didn't know how our programs were going to function. So what have you learned during this time that helps you manage your mental health and stay sober? Like what's the most important thing that you've learned to do to manage that? Well, keep up with my appointments. That's for sure. Um, uh, I see Casey uh, every two weeks. I see, I've been seeing Barb uh, every week here for a little while because I've been, there's been some mental issues going on a little down and outs, but nothing I can't get over. Uh, but we're digging deep back into my childhood and stuff now. And that sometimes leaks into the, uh, the present, um, even though it's all from the past, but it's great to get it out. It feels great. Um, how my day, my routine, um, I wake up, I watch the news and have me a pudding or jello and I'm getting ready for the clubhouse. I'm usually here, um, eight 30 a quarter after eight. So I'm here pretty early. I generally stay here till two doing whatever necessary or whatever special jobs Michael Johnson has for me. And, uh, I usually leave around two. I get home. Um, when I get home, some of the people are already outside, uh, congregating. So I'll sit and talk to them for a few before I go in. Then when I go in, um, I'll, um, you know, maybe check my emails or, Um, I just settle in, I'll make me my dinner, uh, maybe jump on the computer, do some social media, maybe a game. Uh, I build my figures. Sometimes I'll play guitar. I keep myself completely enamored. Just keep going. Just always doing something until I finally, you know, you can feel the tiredness coming on and, it's it, the building is never there's no, even with me playing my guitar, it's not that loud. Nobody interferes with everybody. So uh, 
even though I have, I could easily go down to one of the bars or I could easily take the bus to, I just don't, I choose not to. Uh, I know where that's going to lead me. And I am so thankful for everything that I've got now, even though it may not seem much to everybody else, but what I have, I'm thankful for. And this time I'm trying to keep it that way. Um, I do have cirrhosis. Um, I uh, just did the Maverette treatment for hepatitis C, which is now undetectable. Uh, we're kind of dealing with that kind of health issue. So I know that alcohol is definitely not the answer because it's destroyed not only my mental state, it's destroyed my health state. And then uh, my depression is helped just you know by being around people uh, having somewhat of a routine, uh, the new excitement is school right now, which is very high on my list and with anxiety. But I think uh, Casey says that my mind sometimes doesn't know if it's anxiety or excitement. So I'm trying to look at it as excitement. Um, but yeah, there's the, like I said, the store is right there. There's a liquor store right down the road. Uh, and I'm sure I could traveling to shady parts of town to get whatever I wanted, but the, uh, the urge just isn't there anymore. I, I, I feel I got a lot riding on my recovery and that's the most important thing. Um, I cannot say that it's more important than my daughter, but it's, 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 it's high up. And it's, I know how I got this far and how much I have accomplished by being in recovery, not just sober, but being in recovery. And I know what happened the last time that I said, oh, one time will hurt me. Well, it did. And it's just better that I have complete abstinence. Don't put myself in those kind of positions. Uh, and if I'm not around it, I'm much, much less apt to want it or use it or go looking for it. It sounds like you've learned a lot about yourself and, and what triggers you or could potentially trigger you and have found good coping skills and coping mechanisms to keep yourself out of that, that type of environment or that state. So I'm wondering what advice, what advice would you give to someone who's actively struggling with a substance use issue? Um, well, I'll give a, a real life example. Um, I have a long friend, long-term friend that I have known since high school. He's an active user. I mean, uh, he's done manufacturing. He blew up his own house, uh, making uh, methamphetamine. And to this day, he uses daily. Um, yet he's conscious because that's how his body functions now. I mean, I would, I would hate to see what would happen if he wasn't using. And yet I still send him, uh, I send him stuff from one family every Sunday to where he can watch live, which he's actually started watching. I've given him uh, so many encouraging words and 
I, I'm not rubbing it into him. I'm showing him things that I've accomplished and that he could accomplish too, if he would just give it the chance. Um, medically, I don't know what would happen to him if he stopped methamphetamines. The withdrawal symptoms would be horrid. Um, and I just don't know if he uh, is willing to go through that. Um, and on the other hand, when somebody has come to me and asked me how I did what I did, I do. I break it down. I was like, well, you know, I'm not saying that everybody should end up with a, a failed suicide attempt like myself, but it's like before that point, ask for help, ask for help. It's like how, if, if they see me, I'm leading by example. And if you need the answers to the questions, it's not that you're cheating. It's that I'm giving you a pretest, and then for them to just take the first step and walk through the door, walk through the door. And when they get here, give it a chance and give it your all. I mean, obviously you're not doing so well in the gutter or go jumping house to house, uh, just living a complete inebriation, get out of it. There's, there's more to life than just destroying it. There's more to life than, and I think a, a lot of my uh, musician type friends, you know, it's the, they play out on the weekends and they don't even know what they've done for the weekend all the way to the next Monday morning. There, there's more to it than that. And I can't wait to actually start a sober band eventually. Um, and I'm going to sing about the way I came out of this. It's just a very, very dark hole and a dark pit. And it feels like, or it felt like, uh, the Independent Center was that hand that reached down the drain and pulled me out. Because at that time, I was, I was just a pulp of a person. I was just, there wasn't much of me left. There just wasn't. And uh, you guys pulled me out of it. For the first time in a very long time, I'm looking two weeks ahead. I'm not worried about, you know, I'm looking for a future. I'm looking, you know, what else can I do? I'm, I'm looking to see my daughter get married. You know, I'm looking forward in my life enough that hopefully it doesn't end like I thought it was going to. And uh, I got a second chance. And when you get a second chance, nobody ever going to say that you're going to get a third. So take that second chance while you have it. And uh, use it for everything it's worth. Put heart, effort, and oomph kick you in the butt kick yourself in the butt and go I think that's all really good advice and I so appreciate the conversation with you today I want to ask just one final question that I've asked all of our guests that have been on the podcast um and and get your your response what I'm just curious to hear what you'll say to it so if you could debunk one myth 
about mental illness, what would it be? We're all weirdos inside. Um, I think that everybody has a certain amount of a, of mental disability, especially dysfunctional families. There's so many causes. Uh, it's not only born into, it's sometime environmentally. Sometimes it's self-brought. Sometimes. But we are just as important as people who have less of a disability than us. Um, we deserve a life too. And sometimes uh, as morbid as my outlook may seem, um, there's a little rainbow that pops out every once in a while and uh, it just keeps you going. We all have things to struggle with and sometimes we just need a helping hand and a shoulder to be a hold, put their head on, and uh, sometimes even hold your hand while you're walking through it. But it doesn't have to be dark all the time. It uh, there's a rainbow that pops out every once in a while. Definitely. Well, I I want to close out the show by just saying thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story, being so open about your experiences. I think people listening can learn so much from you and your story. It helps shine a light on your experience not being so different than a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people that struggle with substance use issues. There are a lot of people that have attempted suicide. Um, and, and you being so open with your story helps those people know that they're not alone. So I so appreciate you sharing all of that. If, if you guys listening would like to learn more about the National Center for Drug Abuse or the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, click the link in the show notes. If you want to get connected to us, you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Let's Rethink This Pod. Um, Brian, if people want to get connected to you, can they do so? And if so, where? Of course. Um, well, for musically, deadbodyoddity.com. Um, for social networking, Brian Weddington. Um, it's, it's a story out there, and I, I hope that my story does help others. Um, and I'm more than happy to help guide them down the path that I am still stumbling on, but walking, I'm up and standing. And I'll be happy to answer any kind of questions or meet new friends or whatever it may be. Or like I said, just guide them in the right direction. Yeah, we all need people to walk with us. Definitely. I thank you so much. I really wanted to do this. Uh, It was very exciting. And I want to thank you for allowing me the chance. You're welcome. I'm glad you could do it. It was was fun. I'm glad we did this. So if... Anybody listening, if you are struggling with a mental illness or substance use disorder, um, visit our website, www.independentcenter.org for a list of local and national resources. I'll talk with you all next week. Thank you.